Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, coming in hot with his day one sealed <laughs> qualifying deck, Ethan Sachs, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, Ben. When you open such you know sealed format powerhouses as Invasion of Gobacon and Captain Lannery Storm, and you have the privilege of playing red-white in Best of One Sealed in March of the Machine, I mean, you just know, like, you've got the banger on your hands. You just have to take it home. I might have resigned your pool. I looked at your deck, the trophy, and there were, like, 10 Ds in it, including (laughs) two times coming in hot. I don't think I've ever cast that card in the whole Uh, format. I think this might have been my first time including it, and I did get to do the Zada combo. That's why I was running double coming in hot. I mean, it was also just every part of that card was good. Cheap, a little bit of card selection, nice way to win a piece of combat, combos with Zada, and best of all, no one plays around it because it's terrible. (laughs) That is some high value there. The old unexpected coming in hot. Yeah, I I thought about it. I thought about resigning that pool because I basically feel like this sealed format, you have to just be able to play blue cards. I qualified without blue. I had two blue black decks. My first two runs didn't get there. I do think my third deck was worse than my first two decks. But yeah, I mean, that's just like that's the game, right? There's a lot of variance. But I do think like that my deck, like I got lucky. I mean, I got lucky that there were times like I feel like multiple times where my opponent just like cast blighted burgeoning on turn three. And I was like, oh, you just lose because I'm going (laughs) two drop, three drop, four drop. And my like you know, four drops and five drops were backup, right? So I'm like Bola Slinger into Aeronaut. And those like have pseudo haste because they're pushing damage. And like, I don't know, just you just can't take turns off with those with against those decks. Not when your opponent's coming in hot. <laughs> Not when your opponent's coming in hot. So yeah, I got there on my second bullet. We are coming to you post draft one of uh, day two of the arena open. And I hope it is both draft one of two for each of us. I, I like our decks, Ben. I like your deck better than my deck. I do like my deck. I made one pretty egregious pick in the draft that we'll get to. We're going to go over our logs, but I am quite happy with my deck. We both gumptioned. We both gumptioned to our our preferred gumption decks. (laughs) I agree. I think we need to define the word gumption. We've used this word a lot, and I had someone come into my chat the other day, and they were like, is this a real word? Did you guys make this up? I've never heard this before. (laughs) Gumption is like... It's tenacity. It's like uh, stick-to-itiveness. Stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. It's like it's just sort of, you know, sticking to your guns type deal, right? Yeah. It's in the NBA playoffs when you're <laughs> shooting five for 17 and you're uh, Jamal Murray. And then in the fourth quarter, you turn it on and you go like seven for seven from three-point land to uh, put the Lakers away in game one. Are you going to be comparing any Phyrexian elves to uh, NBA players this episode? We'll see. We'll see. I think from streaming, it was obvious to me that the people want more NBA Finals references. I I enjoyed the Russell Westbrook analogy last week, even though I barely understood it. Though I did do, as I I mentioned this to Ben, and this is a real non sequitur here, folks. I did the most, I think the manliest thing I've ever done (laughs) in my life. I was, so I've been sort of like treating myself to like just some me time at the end of taking care of Jonah for the week. I've been going to play poker at the casino on Friday nights the past few weeks. And I asked the the guy who was running the poker room to change the TV that was in front of me from the hockey game to the basketball game. That is the first time I have ever <laughs> done anything. I haven't done that, but I was like, I have, I'm requesting sports on television. What have I become? Let's go sports ball. Yeah. It was a very exciting game. It was a great game. Yeah. Okay. We've got 
quite a bit to talk about. We're going to look at our day two draft logs, which I think we would have devoted the whole episode to had they been interesting. But as Ben said, they're they're mostly just our respective gumption levels, um, but I still think are interesting and I think fun for folks to get to follow along with our high stakes drafts here and fingers crossed that the games go our way and we get to uh, to re-rack it again for draft number two. And then we're going to talk about green. You know, we sort of we sort of dismissed green. Dismissed isn't quite the right word, but we we sort of left green on the side as we were talking about the other decks and the ways we were navigating drafts these days. And I'm still not navigating my way into green. And we were, we were very, very clear. I think we should I want to really state, want to make sure people are listening. We did not say, nor do we feel. <laughs> we stated it clearly last time. There's we no stopping it. it. <laughs> clearly. We did not say green is bad. We just said we're not navigating our way into green decks. I really haven't been not by not for like, you know, any reason of like, I'm I think it's terrible or something. It's just not where I feel like I'm going to end up very often. And so I just naturally steer away from it. But we do think green has a place in the format. And Ben has outlined some really great thoughts for us to uh, to chat about a little later on after we look at those draft logs. But a few housekeeping things before we get into all that good stuff. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. Patreon is hopping. It's popping. I guess we'll have a, a bit of a Discord lull, as it were, now that we, <laughs> we, we've taken care of Arena Open 1, Mythic Championship Qualifier, This Weekend Arena Open 2. And now we'll just get to sort of enjoy the format. Maybe folks are chatting about Vintage Cube on MTGO. Maybe we'll have some other flashbacky kinds of formats on offer for us in the next month or so before we look towards the summer set. But the Discord is just an excellent place to be. You know, last week, as Ben was kind enough to clarify, as I was saying, oh, go ahead, please tag me on Discord. Ben was like, Ethan's not being sarcastic. He's actually <laughs> being serious here. A lot of folks took me up on that. A lot more folks took me up on that. And I, I really enjoyed it. So, you know, if you if you've got some questions about drafts you don't only have to tag me for companion decks i can i can do decks that don't have a <laughs> have expertise card. in other areas <laughs> yeah i'm qualified in other areas um but yeah i'm around i'm around during the day these days so uh so hit me up i may not be able to get back to you immediately but i am usually on discord uh, either on my computer my laptop or my phone in some way or another hashtag addicted so hit me up on discord discord is just an excellent place that community is is awesome can't say enough good things about it as 24 7 limited tech support that's what you get access to via the Patreon. Get access to a bunch of other stuff if you want to move up the reward tier ranks. Get access to our show notes. Get access to the episode a day early. Ba-ba-ba-bam. And you get access to uh, monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben if you move all the way up the reward tier ranks. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, head on over to patreon.com slash lordsoflimited. And we want to shout out our patrons the first week that they join. So this week we are welcoming Todd, Michael, Harry, Laver Dude, Dave, Andrew, Ryan, Levi, Auden, Sage, Eric, Brian, and Clint. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. I cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock and that cool stuff is march of the machine sealed product i am looking forward to drafting this set in paper i think i'm potentially uh headed to new jersey to do to do an in-paper draft over the summer new so jersey forward to that yeah if you want to if you want to pop on down are you driving uh no <laughs> i will be taking the old airplane but uh, okay be good to pick up some March of the Machine sealed product to do some drafts with friends. And if you're doing that, maybe you need some staples for your standard deck or your commander deck or whatever. If you don't have a preferred online store, we would prefer that you make CoolStuffInc.com your preferred online store. 
And if you use checkout code LOL, you get 5% off anything in the store. And even more importantly for us, you let CoolStuffInc.com know that we sent you over there. We have this new partnership that is no longer new anymore, but we really want to show them that we can drive folks their waste. So if you don't have a preferred online Magic the Gathering dealer, please make CoolStuffInc.com that place and use code LOL when you check out. Awesome. Uh, you want to you wanna take us through your draft log here real quick? Absolutely. I messaged you in a panic, pack one, pick one. I was fairly <laughs> confident, but I just wanted, just wanted a little reassurance. So pack one, pick one. You sit down, you see the following cards as options. There's no real commons in consideration. The best thing here is probably wary thespian or blighted burgeoning. Yeah. Uncommons. The only one really in consideration, I think, is corruption of Tawashi. That's four and a blue ETBs incubate four. And whenever permanent you control transforms or enters the battlefield under your control transformed, you can draw a card, do this only once each turn, and then your rare C double, two blue blue instant, can't be copied, choose one, and if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, you can choose both. Copy target spell, you may choose new targets for the copy, or create a token that's a copy of target creature. So here's how I know that that underneath it all, Ben still trusts me. So we've talked about Corruption of Tawashi before. I... I think I like the card quite a bit more than you. Is that fair to say? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So we've discussed the card. It's clear our evaluation of it is different. Ben still knows. He's like, Ethan is sane. At the end of all of this, he will tell me the truth. He will set aside his love, his personal preference for cards. And he asked me, see double over corruption of Tawashi, right? And I think that's a pretty clear yes. Even even in my own, like, uh, I don't know, love of that as a splash and black, white, incubate, whatever. Like, you just got to take the best card here. C-double is phenomenal. Yeah, that's what I thought. I just wanted to just wanted to get a, a temperature check on that. Mm-hmm. So moving on to pack one, pick two, after taking C-double, there's really only two cards in contention here. There's Afara's Dispersal, which is two and a blue for an instant, costs two less to cast if it targets an attacking creature, and you return target creature to the owner's hand, Surveil two. There's an uncommon maybe you could make a case for. There's Inga Runeyes, the three, three that lets you scry three. And then when it dies, if three or more creatures died this turn, you get to draw three. And then in the rare slot, there's Baral and Carry Zev, one blue red for a two, four first strike menace. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, you can cast a spell with lesser mana value that shares a card type with it from your hand without paying its mana cost. If you don't, this is the part you really want. Create First Mate Ragavan, a legendary 2-1 red monkey pirate creature token. It gains haste until end of turn. Yeah, I, I so I have not looked at this draft log before I told Ben. I, I was going to just uh, just be like Bill O'Reilly and do it live. Um, that I actually think I would. I would take Brawl here, par- partially because I I am I'm not a dispersal truther, but I'm I'm not as high on the card as I think the rest of the community is. I like it fine, but I don't think it's like bu- 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 busted as I think the perception might be. And there was an invasion of Kaladesh in your first pack, so I'm kind of kind of feeling like could take uh, could take Brawl and Karizev, wield the invasion of Kaladesh, get into good old good old blue red. I think you could, yeah. I thought about yeah. that, and I tanked on this pick for a while, and ultimately. I decided that Brawl and Karyzev might be like better, probably is yeah. a little better than Afara's Dispersal, but I'm, I'm giving up a lot in flexibility yeah, yeah, to take yeah. Brawl and Karyzev. And I, if I'm blue, I would prefer to be blue-black or blue-white. Mm-hmm. Unlikely to get to do that, but I think at least giving myself that out, as well as I have felt interactions been hard to pick up in mm. these high-stakes drafts, and everybody knows removal's good, and like Brawl and Karyzev's a a premium three drop, but is it worth potentially losing out on interaction for, especially if I get pushed off red? Like it feels like I'm locking in blue red almost a little bit. If I take Brawl and Carry Zeb there. So I, I took dispersal. No, I, I think this is I think you're you're right. Spoiler alert. I think you make the right pick here. And one of the notes I had for myself going into Arena Open Day Two was I was noticing myself 
um, this week of drafting that I was a little too, I think after last week's episode and feeling really confident and like I knew what these backdoor decks looked like and how they operated, that I was treating them as front door decks. <laughs> like too willing to navigate into yeah. them. Yeah. I was like really leveling myself and like, because I knew what the, like I was like, oh, I want to draft these decks because I get them and I feel like they're undervalued. But the reason they're good to draft is when the other stuff is being fought over. When the other stuff that is good is not being fought over, just draft that good stuff. So I think you make the right pick here by taking Dispersal. All right. So we got C-Double and Dispersal, a real kind of tipping point here in the draft. Yeah. So pack one, pick three. There's no real commons in consideration, I don't think. The best one is Meeting of Minds. That's three and a blue for an instant with Convoke. You draw two cards. Moving on to the uncommons, there are several bangers here. In fact, all five of them are bangers. Eh. There's Marshal of Zalfir, well, four bangers and a and a and a huntmaster. Yeah. <laughs> There's Marshal of Zalfir, the blue white two two gives your knights plus one plus one, and you can pay blue white to tap another target creature. There's Invasion of Rin, that's the battle that lets you draw three discard a card. Emoti, Celebrant of Bounty, that's the three blue-green, three-one that cascades and then gives your spells with mana value six or greater cascade. There's Completed Huntmaster, the two-three uh, black card that you can pay one, tap, sack another creature artifact to incubate three. And then there's a Collective Nightmare, two and a black for an instant with Convoked. Target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. So really, you, you get to choose what you want to start trying to pair with blue here, I think, whether you want to take Marshal of Zalfir, Emoti, Celebrant of Bounty, or Collective Nightmare. This is very hard. I think for me, Emoti is out, not because I don't think it's powerful, but just because if I think I'm going to commit to a blue gold card here, I want to take Marshall for a lot of the reasons that we outlined last week. And I think probably prior to two weeks ago, prior to this gumption idea, I would have taken Collective Nightmare here, um, partially because blue black is the best deck. I think blue black is where C double is going to be at its best because that's the deck where you'll most likely get to do both things where you'll, you'll most likely have the, the incidental mill to get your opponent eight cards where the game will go long enough for your opponent will have eight cards in the graveyard, etc. I, I really like now I like taking Marshall of Zalfir for all of the reasons we talked about last week. I think this is a really good, you know, companion to that discussion. Right. Well, so here was my thought process, because my gut inclination also is to take Collective Nightmare because it keeps you, quote unquote, more open, right? And gives you chances to land them in the best deck. I think it is pretty unlikely to get to draft straight blue black uncontested in the arena open. I also think if you're the other thing I was thinking, like take Collective Nightmare and then maybe I could backdoor into Rakdos. Like I leave myself that out by taking Collective Nightmare here. And then the question I asked myself was, do I want to do that? And I think the answer is no. Like I, I want to play C double. I want to play Afar's Dispersal. So if I if I'm committed to those two cards, I think Marshall of Zalfir gives me a higher chance to pick up the blue I see, and then I'm I think I'm more likely to see more good white cards than I am good black cards. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It just gives you such a clear direction. And once you have Marshall, unless truly someone else is drafting knights, you're gonna get a good deck. Yeah, I think so. I was a little bummed. I ended up with no other marshals um, after nights, I think, seemed pretty open. So the rest of the draft after taking that marshal was super straightforward. I, w I was blue white the entire way. And the only really interesting pick that I did mess up, <laughs> unfortunately, was pack two, pick one. Um, I'm solidly in blue white nights. And I had a pick between progenitor exarch, which is the white XX one, two ETBs incubate. A three X times and you can tap to transform target incubator token you control. 
or Artistic Refusal, the four blue blue counterspell, um, and then draw two cards, discard a card with Convoke. I should have taken Artistic Refusal there. I took the Progenitor Exarch. I think, and I knew Refusal was the right pick. I just had such bad experiences with it that I didn't trust taking it here over the Exarch, and I, I should have trusted. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. You sent me your final deck list, and I was like, man, is it crazy to think that Knight of New Coalition is better than Exarch in your deck? And it's not, um, but you have like a, you know, I think you have one copy in your main and a few in the sideboard of the of the Knight. That's the four mana 2-2 two, two that makes a 2-2 two, two when it ETVs. Um, just sort of in terms of like army and a can kind of cards, I wonder if the Knight is just better for you. But the Artistic Refusal is, is really... Is really strong having that convoke, having that little bit of card advantage, having that way to like slam the door shut. That's a tough pick. Yeah, I should have taken artistic refusal. It was the right pick and I just wasn't willing to do it. And I my deck is light on interacting with my opponent a little bit. Mm. I mean, I have lots of ways to prevent my opponent from killing my stuff. I have quadruple angelic intervention, the, the trick that gives your thing a plus one plus one counter and gives it protection. So I mean, it's kind of similar to artistic refusal in that I'm going to be saving my creatures, but I don't have a ton of ways if my opponent tries to stick a bomb to stop them from doing that, which is a problem in this format for sure. Well, luckily, you'll just have them dead before any of that happens. That's the plan. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with my draft log. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Balance is a magic card that you and I bonded over early on, a seemingly symmetrical effect that is anything but the definition of balanced. And much like balance in Magic the Gathering, balance in life is hard to be truly equal. Finding time for work, sleep, food, exercise, hobbies, friends, and family is difficult enough. And there's one crucial piece of life's puzzle I left off of that list. Yourself. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you that we never take a moment to think about what we need from and for ourselves. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now back to the show. All right, so Ben already said we, we, uh, we gumptioned in our respective... Our respective ways. So if Ben ended up blue white, I'll give you all uh, all a guess real quick as to what I ended up in. So pack one, pick one. Um, again, as there there often is not a lot to discuss in terms of commons. Um, there's a shatter the source, the convoke deal six. But if we're taking a convoke burn spell, stoke the flames in the uncommon slot is a lot better. Two red red instant convoke deal four damage to any target. But I. Th- think it's just a windmill slam mythic battle here in invasion of innistrad two black black flash when an etb's target creature and opponent controls gets minus 13 minus 13 until end of turn it has five defense counters when it flips it becomes deluge of the dead makes two 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 black zombie creature tokens and you can pay two in a black exile target card from a graveyard if it was a creature card you make a two two black zombie creature token yeah that card is amazing and i would start my draft with invasion of innistrad i think that's a clear pick pack one pick two checking out the uncommons we've got a couple 
of uh, of incubate token makers. There's Tangled Skyline, Foreigner Green, Gain Five, and Make an Incubate Five token. And Phyrexians you control have Reach. There is Phyrexian Awakening, Tuna White for an enchantment. Uh, incubates four when it ETBs, and Phyrexians you control have Vigilance. Uh oh, Ben. There's a companion in the back. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but it's but it's Kahira the Orphan Guard, which I, I've already checked off the bucket list and have no interest in doing for this draft. And then I get past Grafted Butcher. One on a black for a 2-2 Phyrexian Samurai. When ATBs Phyrexians you control gain menace until end of turn. Other Phyrexians you control get plus one, plus one. And you can pay three and a black to sack an artifact or creature at sorcery speed to return Grafted Butcher from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, you got to be thrilled being past Grafted Butcher here, pack one, pick two, to pair with your Invasion of Innistrad. Buried the lead there. This is a clear Grafted Butcher, I think. I agree. And then pack one, pick three. Again, not that difficult of a pick for me, but I think there are some things to discuss. Very similar to my pack one, pick three, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so black card, black card. And then pack one, pick three. I'm just going to skip over the commons again. Go to the uncommons. There's a jury, master of the review, black, red for the 1-1 one, one legendary human shaman. Whenever you sack a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on jury. And when it dies, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. But that's a card. So it's like interesting, right? We're seeing this card here. And that's a card we talked about a couple weeks ago being like, you can wheel this. I don't know if you can anymore. Slash do you want to just plant your flag here? And then in terms of other good uncommons, there's an Omen Hawker, blue for the 1-1, tap to add colorless and blue, spend it to only activate abilities. And an Herbology Instructor, one of the, the few green cards that we've shouted out on the show so far, one in a green for the 1-3 when it ETBs you gain three life, and you can pay six and a black Phyrexian mana to transform it into Malady Invoker. It's a 3-3. When this creature transforms, target creature and opponent controls gets minus zero, minus X until end of turn, where X is Malady Invoker's power. Yeah, I, I'm going to betray <laughs> you a little bit here. I think think I would take Herbology Instructor over Jury. Is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I like This is why Draft is great, right? And this is why I think this format is great. I just think it's about what you're doing. Like You, you know what you're giving up on when you pass Jury. You know what you're gaining when you take Herbology Instructor. And you know what you're looking for as the draft progresses. I just like, I just want to end up in black red, you know? Sure, 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 for sure. And I, I do think like if you if you take jury here, you're certainly upping your chances of doing that and upping your chances of ending up in a very good black red deck. I would take instructor, I think, because slamming that on turn two is the warmest, fuzziest feeling <laughs> in the world, especially in best of three. Oh, like some it's... aggressively slanted decks are just going to lose when you play turn two or biology instructor. Like if you're a black green rock deck in best of three, like that's a great start. I do think the nod for jury is that Grafted Butcher is nutter butters in black red. Yeah, I just thought like the thing about Herbology Instructor is I just feel like a lot has to go right in terms of drafting green, as we'll talk about in a second. For me, I feel like a lot has to go right in terms of the cards you see, not only in in the sense of like the green cards that you see, but then the other cards, if you're looking to splash. Um, Herbology Instructor is, yeah, it's not only Windmill Slam great against the aggro decks, but if you're not aggressive, you still have to basically deal with this because the longer the game goes on, the more this just turns into Flame Tongue Kavu. So I, I just think like, for me, it was about the kind of deck I felt like I was going to navigate my way into more often slash I take jury here. I've already got two great rares and a banger uncommon. I can basically see only commons for this deck the rest of the draft and be pretty happy. Yes, I agree. I, I think 
two, also, I would not be taking herbology instructor with the idea that I was pivoting off of black. Like, I think you're treating you're treating instructor as a black green gold card here, and you're treating jury as a black red gold card. So this is this is basically which deck do you want to draft? Like, you could hand me either of these cards, mm-hmm. and you would just be fine the rest of the way. I think they're very close in power level. They just start you down drafting two different decks. So this is which deck do you want to draft? And that makes total sense to draft black red. So I did take the jury here and then basically just stuck to my guns, took an unsealed the Necropolis pick four. I mean, there's not much else to take. There are better cards, quote unquote, right? There's a cut short, there's a botanical brawler, but I'm just, it's going to take a lot. Like you already said, I've got Invasion of Innistrad and Grafted Butcher. It's going to take a lot to push me off of black at this point. Yes. And that's, you know, if we're trying to put a label on gumption, that is the idea of gumption. And I think honestly, the the word for me and you, like you said it to me jokingly, but I think as drafters, both you and I are predisposed to waffling or Mm -hmm. pivoting or, you know, scrapping our first six picks and then drafting something totally different because it's interesting and entertaining and we like doing that and we drew you feel we, smart when it yeah you feel out. smart we grew up on drafting the hard way like reading signals all that sort of stuff and i think for the two of us i think what we're trying to to describe with these gumption decks is you can also just put yourself in a clear lane and stick to it and that's another great way to draft and yes you might miss out on some powerful cards that you could have potentially played but what you gain is a very clear direction in your draft And as long as you have the end picture of the deck you need to end up in in mind, which both of us do, I think very clearly for blue, white or black, red, you're going to end up with a very functional deck, which you see both of us doing at the end of our arena open drafts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I end up in a really nice looking black, red deck. I'm actually splashing a progenitor Exarch. So you have one in your blue, white deck. I'm splashing one. And I am better lucky than good or just lucky. Uh, Pack three, pick four. Chandra Hope's Beacon. That is, that's a meatball right there. Coming in hot. Yeah. But if you could believe it, I really wish my kingdom for a second beat stick. You know, my following picks after taking that on seal, I took a Valduk because I was like, well, I'm going to want beat sticks. I'm going to value beat sticks highly. Then got a pack one pick six beat stick. I was like, let's go. Not another beat stick to be found in the draft. Wah, wah. The, pr- the, price, the price of having a podcast. I yeah. Know. <laughs> Who are these podcasters telling people to draft beat sticks? So uh, speaking of, Herbology instructor and green. Let, let's talk about green. Let's talk about a little bit of forest gumption, if you will, Ben. <laughs> it's, too good, it's too good to pass up. This is definitely an episode where the title came first, you know? Yeah. Shout out to Capizzi from our Lords of Limited Discord said, when you get comfortable drafting green and March of the Machines, can we get a forest gumption episode? I'll see myself out. I mean, it's too it's too good. Too, good, too good to not use. Well, also, I think we want to give green the time of day because it is a a way to do things and we're doing it less i think than maybe some other people in the format but if this is your jam you just need to know how green operates or what green's good at it and i think we can outline all that stuff cool let's do it all right so green i think the, the key card at common for green decks is blighted burgeoning and that's the card that lets you ramp and fix so it's two and a green for the aura enchant land and the enchanted land taps for an additional mana of any color and you incubate two when burgeoning comes down. I think that is the reason to be green most of the time. I mean, you you can do green beatdown decks, but the again, the green beatdown decks are just worse than black red or blue white or whatever. So I think you really want to have been pushed into green beatdown decks. So if we're assuming that green beatdown is is not the place to be, green is ramping and fixing and letting you you splash a bunch of powerful cards that you wouldn't be able to play otherwise 
without green being the glue to hold them together. Yeah, I like, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I, I trophied with a sort of green red, just good card, good curve, and then a few like a few bombs in there. I've seen some good green white aggro decks. I think my, the biggest fear I have for green white aggro is a forest dispersal. And and to a lesser extent, temporal cleansing, honestly, because I think that what dispersal does is it did really uh, dispersal is already good, right? And then dispersal against the counters decks or incubate tokens just truly is a removal spell plus surveil too. Yeah, I just cooled on large incubate tokens in general a little bit. Mm. I have gotten owned too many times <laughs> owned by dispersal or owned just, by other just, things uh, just everything or just there's so, owned many, in there's general. Just so many ways <laughs> yes just just possessed every time i play <laughs> uh incubate cards because there's so many things that punish them there's ravenous sailback there's dispersal there's temporal cleansing there's and you're always wanting to attack with them i think most of the time so like mm-hmm. cut short I, I don't know just tough, like investing that much mana into incubate token, and then you pay two to flip it. And you've got like, all of a sudden, you've got six mana dumped into this card that your opponent answers for one or two or three mana. It's just a tough spot to be. This is a man who is not addicted to black white like I am. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I can't, can't stop drafting that deck despite it being incorrect most of the time. <laughs> So you get Blighted Burgeoning, you get a splash of rares. I, I do think there are some other commons that Green has that, that do some good things. Wary Thespian plays offense and defense really well in the early game, plus the Surveil one as card selection. You know, maybe it helps you find your third land drop. Late in the game, you draw your two drop. It still lets you, you know, put some lands on the bottom of your library maybe when you Surveil. I really like Wary Thespian, and I think it is the card you want at common in your two drop slot. I totally agree. I mean, what are your other options? Portent Tracker? which we're going to diss in a little bit. Portent Tracker, which I, I recently had an epiphany. I thought Portent Tracker was important to green because I have popped off several times with Portent Tracker Blighted Burgeoning. You just don't really need the Portent Tracker. Blighted Burgeoning does enough on its own to fix you and ramp you that the Portent Tracker is just, I think, unwanted extra. And I, I think I've been, because I don't play a lot of Portent Trackers, but I face it a lot. I, I do a lot of like Bolt the Bird stuff against it. I'm like, well, I see it. I'm like, oh, I don't want don't want them to play a converter beast on turn three, or I don't want them to to play whatever invasion of Zendikar on turn three and ramp. And it's like, yeah, I should probably just let them do that if they do it. Because at the end of the day, once the dust settles, if the dust will settle, Portent Tracker is just then not a card. Yes. But that's that's the biggest issue. And and on like turn 10 when you top deck your Portent Tracker. Yes. It's abysmal. And then sometimes you also just have the draws. If you're including Portent Trackers and Blighted Burgeonings, you just run out of room for other stuff that you need. Like seven cards in your deck all of a sudden are like Portent Trackers and Blighted Burgeonings or six cards. Like you've got three Portent Trackers, three Blighted Burgeonings. And then like you've got to have bombs and you've got to have removal. And then all of a sudden you just have no interactives. I, I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah. So uh, Wary Thespian, excellent, way better than Portent Tracker. And then Converter Beast also, I think, has done some work. Again, I, I've cooled on Incubate tokens a little bit, but there's definitely some games where your opponent plays Converter Beast on turn four, or maybe you play Converter Beast on turn four. More often, it's my opponents. But I'm like, <laughs> ooh, that 5-5 five five is kind of a problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I have this very similar feeling, very similar feeling about Converter Beast. So yeah, and then I, I think if you talk about Green's game plan, you know, last week we outlined these low to the ground gumption decks that really wanted to wrap the game up quickly, keep your opponent off balance. And and more than anything, those decks didn't want to end up in what we described as no man's land, like that that turns 
six through 10 where like your opponent's stable and you're not actively pressuring them, that's a disaster for those decks to end up in that spot. But green decks are the complete opposite of that. Green decks are trying to get to no man's land. They're trying to be stable on turn six, seven, eight, and then just start throwing haymaker after haymaker. And, you know, last week you were saying green goes single spell, single spell, single spell. Well, on turn seven, eight, nine, if you're single spelling with highly impactful cards, that's a great way to win a game of magic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if we've got all this going on for green, you know, we've got we've got what it does. Well, we've got the game plan. We're trying to get to no man's land. The, <laughs> the biggest thing to decide is when to draft green. And I think for you and I, that is less often. But if you want to get into green, certainly you can steer into green multicolored decks in the format as well. Yeah, well, and I think it you don't have to start by assuming that's going to happen, right? I mean, you don't have to take a card that's powerful like Vorinclex and then go, okay, gonna have to draft multicolored green good stuff. You can just end up in green black, green blue, whatever. Like I think green red and green white would be less of my preferences because I think those decks generally have to slant more aggressively. But if those decks are open, I'll draft those decks, you know? For sure. And so uh, the biggest way for me to start green is though, I think opening a, a great green rare like Vorinclex or the Ozolith, an excellent mm-hmm. one, Glistening Dawn is probably the best of all of them. It, it or Vorinclex, mm-hmm. they're both quite good. But the other real reason I think to draft green, and this is where like what green does best comes back, is when you start your draft with multiple rares of, you know, maybe different color combinations like two gold rares that one of them touches green or maybe you've got some some powerful uncommons you've got an invasion of Amonkhet floating around in there that's the the blue black battle that's completely insane that aren't going to slot together into a streamlined deck but you want to be able to play all of those cards i think that is what green does best like you your first four picks are just loaded with banger 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 but they don't go in a deck together and green gives you the ability to put them into a deck together. Right. Yeah. I also think like, it just feels like at this stage of the format, those drafts are fewer and farther between each other, you know? Like now that people's evaluations are pretty settled, in in a format like Mom, you can certainly have the stacked packs. It can feel cube-like in a way where like, you know, pick four, you're like, how is there still a Mox in this pack? Like, well, <laughs> just because there was Soul Ring, Ancestral, and Lotus also in the pack or whatever, you know? Um, th- that can happen in this format too with, you know, the, the um, Multiverse Legends, with the battles, etc. Um, but I think with people's evaluations being lined up, it is rarer that you get that. Now, it definitely can happen, I think, in once people solidify, and if people just open the wrong collection of rares, like if everybody just opens the wrong rares for themselves, like shifted, and then those rares make their way to you in pack two or pack three, you can, I wonder if there's a way to kind of gumption... <laughs> This like like is there a way for you to go? Okay, in my first six picks, the best things I'm seeing are like two burgeonings, two wary thespians, or throw an herbology instructor in there, or whatever. And then you're just sort of gumptioning for getting past the goods. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, I, I personally would not do that. That's what I'm saying. But you could, I think, set out to in a draft say I'm going to draft a multicolored green deck. Like my packs were weak initially. I'm going to pick up these green cards so that 
anytime I see good cards, I can put the good cards in my deck. I think that yeah. is certainly a way that you can approach the draft. And then out of really weak packs, you pick the lands super aggressively and just plan to draft a, a three or four color green deck. I will say I do think two color base green decks are much better than five color soup decks. Yes. And and I have not been particularly impressed by Omnath or Invasion of Alara in the multicolor green decks. Like they're fine and you'll include them, but I don't think those two rares are good enough to go, yeah, I'm going to draft green and I'm going to draft a five-color nonsense deck. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. Five colors is a lot to cast a permanent. I guess Omnath is really only four, um, but it's it's a lot. Like, I, I agree. I think it's a lot better when, e- even if you're like, whatever, green, black, splash white, splash red, or whatever. You can do multiple little splashes, but I think if you're really trying to, to cast the the five color the four color omnath the five color invasion of alara it's really hard for all those things to come together well it's not it's not that you can't do it you can do it you just end up paying so many costs in deck yes. building that it's not quite worth the power level of those cards like there are just single colored rares that are much better than omnath and invasion of alara that your opponents get to play without doing any work <laughs> in their deck that that's more my point is that just the power level of those two cards does not match the the deck building requisites that they ask of you can i interest you in a a brief draft log for my i think only time drafting green in the past two weeks please do i have i have drafted green a lot we were talking about this before the episode but it's all been on mobile i have been nba finals and mobile drafting the past two weeks and it has been glorious can't you just put your laptop on the couch instead I should, but my laptop lives at school Ugh. where I teach lessons. School, so, school know, is ruining our podcast <laughs> once again. Okay, so uh, pack one, pick one. I think this is a pretty clear for me. Captive Weird, single blue, one three with Defender. Um, you pay three and a Fire Axe in red to transform it and do a three three. When it transforms, you exile the top card of your library until end of your next turn. You can play that card. I, I think that's that's far and ahead of everything else in the pack. Yeah, that's the pick. I mean, there's other good cards. There's Sandstalker Moloch, there's Frexian Sensor, there's Into the Fire, but Captive Weird is the pick. And then pack one, pick two, I was like, it's, I would love to not take a green card here, but it's impossible because one, there's so many of them and, and they're quite good. Chief among them being Glistening Dawn is still in the pack. Two green, green, sorcery, incubate X twice, where X is the number of lands you control. Now, I know you're off of big... <laughs> incubate tokens ben but what about two big incubate tokens two big incubate tokens is quite a lot i will say i I think i've also had an epiphany about incubate tokens from a gameplay perspective a little bit i think i have been underestimating the threat of having incubate tokens on the battlefield from my opponent's perspective Hmm. and i have been giving my opponent's incubate tokens that aren't flipped yet too much respect in some senses like when your opponent plays i don't know phyrexian awakening and they they have that four four incubate token sitting there they're gonna have to invest two mana to flip it or conversely you know if i do it and i have that so what i already like when my opponent has that four four incubate token that's not flipped sitting there i'm treating it mentally as already flipped like from a mm. who's the beatdown type perspective. And when I do mine, I'm treating it like I'm still behind because I'm going to have to pay the two mana to flip it and it's not a thing yet. But I think I should feel my opponent feeling that pressure a little more or or that the truth is somewhere in the middle, like as far as how, how relevant of a board presence that incubate token unflipped is because it does crimp what you can do 
on the following turn if you plan to flip the incubate token. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Do you feel like you you as a player with the incubate tokens don't get that same level of like, do you like anticipate or assume your opponent is going to give you that kind of respect and treat it like it's already flipped and then they don't and you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think, yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think I have been my my perspective of my opponents and my perspective of mine are completely different. Like, like, but this is always the case with you. You're like, this card is always busted for my opponents and it's never good for me. Yes, I agree. I am predisposed to that, <laughs> that, that mental standpoint. But I, it's especially interesting with incubate tokens. Like, like what I said, I, that's the only way I can explain it. I mentally treat my opponents like they're already flipped and I treat mine like they're a tempo hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, those things can't both be true. So mine, from my opponent's perspective, must be a little bit better or a little more threatening. I, I just think incubate's a really cool mechanic. I, I totally agree. Um, there's other great green cards or good to great green cards in the pack. There's a Streetwise Negotiator, the one in a green O2 with backup one and it deals combat damage uh, equal to its toughness rather than its power. And then at common, there's also Wary Thespian and Converter Beast. So potentially some good green wheels out of this pack if we end up sticking green. Pack one, pick three, a real dip in power level, like not much Ooh. to write home about <laughs> yeah, at this is all. Awful. And I think maybe if I were gumptioning towards red black, I could take like a completed Huntmaster or something, but I didn't. I, I stuck to blue with the captive weird. Um, and I took an assimilate essence, a card that has impressed certainly one in a blue instant counter target creature battle spell, unless it's controller pays four. If they do, you incubate two. Um, there's also astral wingspan. Talk to me about this card four in a blue aura convoke. Enchant creature, when it comes to the battlefield, draw a card, and enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. It's a card that I basically never find room for myself, but I am also very impressed by when I see it. Yeah, it's good in blue-white aggro decks or blue-red aggro decks. It's a good card. Okay. Yeah, I think I got to bump that up in these uh, last few weeks of the format. I mean, you don't want to spend high picks on it, but those are the archetypes you play it in. Mm-hmm. And then pack one, pick four again. I'm seeing cards that like I like, like Sculpted Perfection, you know, tr- talking about getting into black, white, but getting past Invasion of Ixalan, the one in a green battle with defense four. Um, you look at the top five, and I think you take a permanent card from among them, um, put it into your hand, and then it flips into a four three with trample that if you've cast a spell this turn, it has indestructible. Though so many times playing with it, my opponent just got to like minus X minus exit. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on <laughs> a collective second. Collective Nightmare, yeah. Yeah. Um, collective Nightmare, Final Flourish, Flipping Herbology Instructor. I was like, hold on. Indestructible though. Um, but Invasion of Ixalan is just very good. I don't know about it. Very good. It's, it's good. very good. It's very, very good. good. Wow. Do you, you want to – okay, you need to play with this some more so you can revise your statement on this like you did with Invasion of Samovia. <laughs> that was hilarious. So I was streaming the other night. Uh, no, where was this? Yeah, it was, this was, yeah, it was your first run of the It was my first run yesterday. of the Arena Open. Yeah, I was streaming the Arena Open and Ethan was like, wow, what's it like? A bunch of blue rares and an Invasion of Segovia? This deck looks great. And I was like, I don't know if Invasion of Segovia is included in that category. Oh, it was included in that category. Like the following game, it was just absolutely nutter butters. And I had to apologize to Ethan. Yeah, I, t- I told Ben, I said, well, battles are hard to evaluate. Makes sense. They're very skill dependent. So it makes sense yeah. that you don't uh, haven't found the card to be good. No, Feels Invasion bad. of Segovia is nuts. Um, yeah, so I took Invasion of Ixalan. And then next pack, I got a Kami of Whispered Hopes. And I just basically stuck to my gun. Well, actually... Pick six, I did take a jury, master of the review, thinking about maybe getting to pivot into black red. But 
basically stuck to my guns and did wheel Sandstalker Moloch pick nine and Wary Thespian pick 10 and got to just draft a, a streamlined blue green deck. It went, it went five, three. It wasn't like anything incredible, but it was certainly above average. Well, Ian was right. This is what I mean by getting forced into green a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, pack, pack one, pick two, Glistening Dawn is even more of a sign than like pack one, pick get one. Green yeah. pack one, pick one, Glistening Dawn. And, and both of those things would start to steer me towards green. And then you tried to abandon ship a little bit with, <laughs> with the jury yeah. pick and then like a pack one, pick seven, Alabaster host sanctifier. And like the green just kept coming. And if the green's coming, I, I don't think you should fight it. I, yeah. I don't think these other decks are so much better than green that you should never draft green. It's just about like a, a tier ranking about where you want to end up. And I think for me personally, green is a little lower down on that tier, but it's certainly draftable and certainly playable. Well, I think it's about knowing what the green decks are doing or like what they pair best with or like you already said a little bit of like I'd rather be a two-color deck than a multicolor green soup deck. So despite you know drafting green a lot and not having the the logs to show for it from your phone, can you talk a bit about the kinds of green decks you've liked drafting over the past week? Yeah, I think just it's been similar to that where I've gotten green rares or it's been very obvious I've started out you know, blue black and gotten cut off blue black, but green's been flowing. So I've picked up some green to pair with either blue or black and as a base color and then still get to play the good blue black gold cards that I see. Like Sultai soup has been a, a very common place for me to end up either base green blue splashing back black or base green black splashing blue. That makes sense. Yeah, there's I mean, there's so much to like in that world, especially because of Halo Forager and Invasion of Amonkhet being such good splashes, like so easy to be sort of base green and then go, oh, okay, I'll take that and I'll end up green blue splash the other color or green black splash the other color. Right. So generally, I'm hoping to pair blue or black with green and trying to avoid white. Although I did have a beautiful green, white, 60 card Yorian deck that yes. I trophied with quite easily. Finally, <laughs> I've said you were like, I've 0 with the Yorian enough. Thank you very much. But I'm glad you finally got the trophy. Yeah. Uh, so that, that deck was sick. And again, that was me like being forced into it. It was it was very obvious that that was what my seat was supposed to do because I ended up with 60 playables without trying to end up with 60 playables, you know, for Yorian. Um, and I, I do think you can pair red with green, but you need a lot of volcanic spites. That's that's basically the only good red card for the green multicolored soup decks. But it's also in an awkward spot where volcanic spites not quite good enough that you probably want to be splashing it. Right. So uh, like red's a little awkward to pair with the green multicolored stuff that way. Yeah, I think I think it's basically like spites and invasion of Mercadia, I think, as well as as a, effectively just your tormenting voice variant that I guess I guess has some upside if you flip it. But I mean, the, the red green like flipping battles deck is not a thing, right? I agree. Yeah, not a thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But there is a red-green beatdown deck. I think it's Correct. just, again, like bottom of the archetypes you're hoping to draft. Yeah. All right. So as far as how to be successful with green, we've talked about some things it does well, like what you're hoping to pair it with, all that sort of stuff. It does need a fair amount, I think, to, to go right. You really want ways to stop your opponent's early aggression and steer towards that no man's land area being stable on turn six, seven, eight, nine. So you need defensive speed, but you can't have too much defensive speed because then you run the risk of other decks going over the top of you like blue black control decks or things like that so it's tough to balance your green decks so that they don't lose to aggro but also have enough late game so that they can hang with the other decks that's why i think pairing green with 
black or blue is so important because both those colors help you so much more in the late game than white or red. Yeah, that's my fear. And when I see like green decks for deck techs in the discord, I'm always just like, do you have any (laughs) like if I go back to my little jingle that someone in discord also shouted out as sounding like jingle bell rock, but like it like the single spell, single spell, like then you just what are you going to do? How do you get ahead on resources in any way? I think you do need something like that, like the unseals, the meeting of minds, the invasion of runes. Those all do a lot of work for these decks. Yes. The other thing I think you really need is non green removal. Like cosmic hunger for your interaction is not where you want to be because so much of the green life is, you know, being behind on board until you're not behind on board. Yep. And that and that green removal requiring you to have creatures to punch or fight or whatever is just really not where you want to be. Like the the blue Afara's dispersals, the black, you know, deadly derision. <laughs> yeah, the, all of the black removal, great. But stuff that's not conditional as far as having a board presence you want to be able to reach out and kill your opponents you know first couple plays and then once you do that then it's easy to cruise to no man's land but if you don't have that stuff i think you're going to struggle being stable in the middle of the game yeah well the other thing that not only do cosmic hunger and tandem takedown require you to have a board they also sometimes require you to like fingers crossed pray you don't get two for one right you're like (laughs) right yes if your opponent's not tapped out you're put in a spot where you're like i have to play my removal spell this turn i have to play it now but if they have a way to respond and blow me out i'm gonna lose whereas if you just had a final flourish in that spot or any of the number of uh, blue or black ways to interact you wouldn't need to be in that in that precarious position. And I think those sort of add undue stress or unnecessary stress to a deck that's already, like, as you said, like predisposed to be behind in those early turns. Right. So the green removal, though, is good. I mean, if you're thinking about all the, the variety of green decks, green removal is good in the white-green beatdown decks yes. or the red-green beatdown decks because there you're curving out and you're putting pressure on the opponent. So they're oftentimes having to tap out to react to you. You're on the front foot there. And then that that green removal cosmic hunger is, is much better in those archetypes. Yeah, agreed. So you also really want high impact rares. I mean, and that is, I think, the most important piece of the puzzle. If you're a green deck without high impact rares, I think you are doing it wrong, in my opinion, especially you really want rares that catch you up from behind, like an Atali or whatnot. Yeah, well, and I think if you don't have those cards, then I would say look back at the draft like what what got you into green in the first place was it you were in a a different color and then like are you in blue and then get a late invasion of perulia and then decide i'm I'm blue green now that that's not a good reason to be getting into green i think there are definitely times where a late multicolor card that pairs with the open color you have can sort of get you caught up in green in unnecessary ways if they're not like you know uh cards that are essential to an archetype like a botanical brawler for green white for example another piece of the puzzle for green being successful here card advantage and or card selection to really help you find your high impact rares when you need them that's where like the seed of hope like a scuttle i kind of died off pretty hard from earlier on in the format yeah but i i do think that is an important piece of these green decks if you if you meet the requirements of that card i think you're pretty happy to play it because cards that dig you towards your rares in green decks are 
premium, I think, because you're so reliant on finding those cards at the right time when they're going to be most impactful. Yeah, the awkward thing about Seed of Hope is you just can't run like multiples of them, right? They get worse in multiples because the more of them you have, the more you can hit them off of each other. But yeah, I think I think one of in those decks is pretty reasonable. Right. Well, and, and blue, like splashing blue card advantage, just card draw mm-hmm. is important to not get outclassed in the late game. Totally agree. Well, and also one of the things we haven't touched on is that because Blighted Burgeoning is perhaps the most important common for this deck, you're running so many mana sources, right? Especially if you're splashing, like, are you running Blighted Burgeonings? Are you running Invasion of Zendikars so that you can find your, you know, splash basics? Are you running a Skittering Surveyor that's sort of underclassed? Like, that's so many mana sources. If you don't have ways to mitigate flood in those decks, you're gonna flood in some number of games. Right. You're forced to run a lot of air. That's why it's important to have card advantage or card selection so that you can get through the air because a really common way to lose games with green is just drawing your Blighted Burgeonings and your Wary Thespians and your Skittering Surveyor and not drawing any of your high impact cards. That's a Mm -hmm. a premium recipe for losing a game with a green deck. Right. So if if green is good in No Man's Land, but what is that? (laughs) What is green getting to that point? That's just that's just the flood. It's not No Man's Water or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's a rough place to be for sure. And then the other thing I think, you know, you have these key cards that you're trying to find some recursion for your bomb rares is also great, like a copy of Unsealed in Acropolis or two to rebuy your your rares after your opponent deals with them, maybe, or perhaps they accidentally get milled by your opponent's cards that mill. Really important to be able to rebuy your rares. There is some tension, I will say, as well. And this is why I think we'll, we'll lead into your first point of the revelations about green or some things we we sort of recognize as being underperformers for green these days is that if you are splashing and part of your splash is relying on like let's say you know your your three or four quote unquote sources for a spell are tied up in one basic and then invasion of zendikar and skittering surveyor one of the the best ways to get card advantage in this format is tied up in self mill right with unsealed and acropolis with invasion of amonkhet i am so nervous about splashing <laughs> When and I think like I do think this is a real risk when you're talking about splashing with with these sort of riskyish mana bases, is self mill when you're when you're fixing is tied up more with permanents like blighted burgeonings it's okay if you're fixing is tied up with other ways to do so like even urn I mean urn is not a good card but at least it's not tied up in I have like yes I have three or four quote unquote sources but they're all tied up in this one basic land and so if this one basic land gets milled I'm screwed. It's a it's a really tough spot to be in. Yes, for sure. Uh, so this is the the personal revelation section yeah. about green. It sounds like you've got some some trauma there from basics being milled. <laughs> yes, I have found invasion of Zendikar just isn't good enough in the format, mm-hmm. which is wild to me. If you had told me that at the start of the format, invasion of Zendikar might have been the card I was most excited about. I mean, it was coming. the first battle spoiled, right? It, it was, but it also looks busted. Like, how is it not good enough? That's that's just a testament to the power level of the format, but I think Blighted Burgeoning might be better for green decks than Invasion of Zendikar. I agree for a number of reasons. Burgeoning is cheaper. Burgeoning brings along a body up front. Burgeoning doesn't require you to run basics to fix. And the big thing is the green decks we're describing do not pressure battles well. They don't want to have to, like they can, right? When the, when the tide turns, 
but they don't want to have to be able to flip a battle to get you know the, the full value from Invasion of Zendikar. That's why I just don't think Invasion of Zendikar is that good. I mean, and it can be, right? It, it is good enough it's if, good. The, if the following turn you play Atali or Breach or whatever. Well, then Invasion crazy. of Zendikar is great, but if you don't have that rare at exactly the right time, it's really bad. I also think, weirdly, it's better in two-color decks. Because yes. those two-color decks are more likely to be streamlined enough where flipping a three-defense, and three-defense is low, flipping a three-defense battle into a 4-4 four, four Vigi is quite good for those decks, <laughs> right? 4-4 four, four Vigi, huh? That got me good. I don't know. I don't understand why that 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 was the thing that got you. <laughs> that got me good. Wow. Okay. I don't know. Four okay. four. You were so passionate, and then you just <laughs> tossed a four four Vigi in there. Okay. Okay. What else you got? Porton Tracker is terrible. I, I think. Yeah. Last night I played my last Porton Tracker in the format. <laughs> I think it happened. I think R. I R. felt. I felt pour, pour the spirit out. of the Porton Tracker leave my soul. <laughs> and it's just because we already sort of said right. It's just like not impactful enough. In like any other stage of the game, except for on turn two, ramping you specifically to a four drop. Beyond that, it's too bad. It's too, it's too bad. It's the upside of comboing off with Blighted Burgeoning, which I have done and kept chasing that feeling of power, is not worth all the downside. There's just too many slots that you have to fill in green decks. And if you're including two to three Portent Trackers, that's two to three good cards that you don't get to put in your green decks. Next one in the four drop slot, Converter Beast is way better than Chomping Kavu. So Converter Beast is the 5-5 the five, five Incubate token. Chomping Kavu is the 3-3 three, three that backups one uh, for things to not be able to be blocked by creatures with power two or less. You'd rather have better fours than both of those cards. But if if you're including filler fours in green decks, I think Converter Beast is much better than Chomping Kavu. Yeah, well, and we're talking specifically about these these burgeoning decks that are interested in splashing, right? Because I have found if you're especially if you're interested in, in flipping some battles, Chomping Kavu is quite good. And I think Chomping Kavu is better in more assertive decks. Yes, green, red, green, white, for sure. Chomping yeah. Kavu is better than Converter Beast. This is a nod to the Blighted Burgeoning, play all the good cards decks. Gotcha. Okay. War Historian has been pretty impressive for me lately and for my opponents. It lines up very well against Preening Champion because it, it forces your opponent, like you get to be in a spot where your War Historian is blanking your opponent's Preening Champ and they're going to have to blink first. And so you can plan to leverage instant speed removal from other colors that you've drafted. I, I've just really liked War Historian as a defensive card to help you get to no man's land because my the biggest struggle my green decks have had as far as stabilizing is against flyers and once i started playing more war historians i started doing a little bit better okay i'm, I'm into it next wildwood escort that's the the three three for five mana that lets you rebuy a creature or a battle that card should be good that's a good magic card but it's just <laughs> so slow for the power level of the format yeah i have to agree with you i have not it, there's just i think not only is it too slow but when you look at your curve, when do you ever have room for that card? Like, how do you ever have room for that card and your deck isn't weak <laughs> in terms of power level, you know? As far as like against aggro, but that's uh, almost a better Gravedigger, right? Are we just, is Gravedigger just not good anymore? Pour one out for the four mana 2-2 two, two, rebuy no, a creature? I, never. Rectangles, baby. I will never <laughs> never dismiss a two rectangle card like that in terms of in general. I just think, you know, you put, I like, think about this. Put Wildwood Escort in black. I think it's pretty dang good, right? As a black common? Yeah. I don't think so. I think so. 
<laughs> great conversation. Can, yeah, good, good conversation. Very nuanced. Very interesting. <laughs> good debate. <laughs> both both teams tried hard. Next, we've talked. I've sang herbology instructor praises, but I, I I love herbology instructor. I think it is premium against aggro and serviceable against control. And cards that do double duty against the variety of spectrum of decks you're going to face in the format are hard to come by. Ravenous Sailback has gone up and up and up in my pick order. It's just Flame Tongue Kabu most of the time. Most decks, I think, have Incubate tokens running somewhere. And when your five drop three, four blows up an Incubate token, regardless of size, that's a great exchange for you. Yeah, I mean, I've started to just be happy, especially in those black white decks, to run one of those. What is it? Sunder the Gateway, the one in a white. You know, either it's just a two, two Incubate on its mm-hmm. own or blow up a non-token artifact or enchantment. There are enough times where that's just good, but then there are also many times where I'm like, I just want to blow up that 4-4 incubate and sail back left to do that. Yeah. Similar to Herbology Instructor, Tangled Skyline's another one that's good in both the aggro and control matchups. Really value that card pretty highly if I'm drafting a green deck that's planning to go long. Yeah. Tangled Skyline is excellent. I've seen that versus Instructor come up quite a bit. I'm always on the Instructor plan, but Skyline is just, it closes the door. As someone who is, especially after last week, on the side of the streamlined two color aggro decks somewhere in the Mardu space. When your opponent's at six and you're like, I've, I've almost got them, baby. I, maybe I can just drain them out with these Phyrexian, whatever, the the two twos that tap to drain and sack something. And then they slam a skyline and they're back up to 11. Just the door is closed. Yeah. And lastly, my 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 biggest personal revelation about green in the past week has been that you just ha- you just have to have card advantage and removal from other colors to be successful. Yeah. And not, and not that that makes green bad. I think it's very right to draft green. Some of the green uncommons are bangers. Like, for example, Elvish Vatkeeper in green black. That's a great card. You know, you start your draft with some black cards. You get an Elvish Vatkeeper. Certainly a reason to potentially spec on on moving into black green. So, again, not saying don't draft green. There just are a lot of things that need to go right. And if you check all those boxes, you know, green can do good things. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Any parting thoughts here before we go? Or are we going to go crush day two of the arena open? We got to crush day two, right? I mean, so last time you got there to, to the second draft, right? But then unfortunately didn't get to the money. I I had a sad 2-2 in my first draft. I, I feel it this time for us. We're due? We're due. I, we shouldn't be saying that out loud, right? No, we're going to get we're so definitely punished gonna, we're gonna by the Magic Arena gods. <laughs> both O2 immediately um, and uh, tilt off the face of the earth. But our listeners won't know that until next week. And by then, we'll have time to have cooled off. For sure. My, my money is on you. If I'm betting on one of the two of us, I that's like your deck better That's than what mine. you said last week or two weeks ago too or whatever and did, did not pan out. I know. I'm trying to curse you again. Thanks, bud. (laughs) All right. And on that note, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for a place to buy any and all magic products online, make it Cool Stuff Inc. Head on over there and use code LOL at checkout for 5% off your order and to let them know that we sent you over there. You can check all of our content out on the internet at lordsoflimited.com. That's where you'll find our streams, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome and twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. You'll find our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Lords of Limited. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited as well. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later.
was it was just good. every part of that card was good. Just like cheap. I should say all parts of that card were good. Cheap, uh, cheap. Little bit of card <laughs> You're selection. Struggling to find good things to <laughs> no, say no, no, about the card. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just trying to figure out the list before the funny thing that I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. 